When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning! Wrestling in, get up, get going. Happy Tuesday, happy SummerSlam week, everybody. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back with another episode of The Winkly, and joined here, as I am not usually on Tuesdays, it's my good friend, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome to the Tuesday Winkly. Happy Tuesday to you, Nicholas. Yes, Michael Weissman off doing whatever Michael Weissman does. But uh, today we will have Justin. Tomorrow we will have Justin. Thursday we will have Justin. You're with me all week, right? Well, you got me. You didn't get me at all last week, so this makes up for it. Yes, more Justin. More more Justin in your ear holes, everybody. Uh, well, we got a lot of news to uh, get to here today. Uh, but before we uh, start the show, of course, uh, it has been uh, five days since the last episode of The Winkly. And in the past five days, the uh, pro wrestling community... Uh, lost a big name. Uh, so we want to start the show off today by sending out our condolences to the family and friends of WWE Hall of Famer Harley Race, who passed away at 76 after complications from lung cancer. Uh, Trevor Murdoch noted, by the way, that uh, you know Race's uh, Medicare wouldn't cover the expenses he had uh, to be traveled to the hospital and, and take care of what he was dealing with. A call was made to WWE at some point. It sounds as if Vince and WWE uh, took care of all of those expenses within a couple minutes. So uh, good on them for doing that. Um, we will have a, tour, a 2015 interview that our own Raj Geary did with Harley Race uh, playing later in the show. So you will actually hear from Harley today on the Winkly. Uh, but wanted to take a moment here at the top of the show uh, to address his passing. Uh, Justin, any words you'd like to share uh, regarding the passing of Harley Race? Well, obviously condolences to his family. And um, I never met Harley Race. Uh, the amount of legends in the business that I have got to talk with or work with or whatever yeah i mean he he's just one of those revered guys of like he is just like he is just one of those original badass original tough guys like you know um you know kept 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 it alive in terms of making you believe it's you know back before you know things really got exposed and the curtain was slipped back so condolences to his family and um you know and that's that's cool to hear that's cool to hear what trevor murdoch said about uh, vince apparently just not even you know, not even hesitating essentially after finding out that uh harley you know was needing some 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 help so that's you know and, and you know just look that's for all the criticism that there is out there you know and you know we've debated it and you know john oliver and it's it's all you know a lot of criticism out there you know it's it's good to get some of these positive stories in play as well sure sure well uh we won't get into the debate of, of health insurance today to start the show uh we'll keep the focus here on harley uh and his legacy uh, big loss, like you, Justin. I never had the chance, unfortunately, to meet Harley Race, but I've I've known so many people uh, throughout my years as well in pro wrestling that uh, were taught by Harley, mentored by Harley. Uh, uh, one of the people that comes to mind uh, off the top of my head was Beer City Bruiser, uh, Matty Winchester from Ring of Honor. Uh, I had a lot of time I got to spend with uh, the Bruiser on the independent scene uh, up in Milwaukee, and uh, I know that he was a, a student of Harley. They were very close together. Triple H, of course. Another one uh, very close to Harley as well, trained by Harley Race. Uh, so yes, uh, sending our condolences and uh, our our own. Jesse I, think, I think I think Triple H was Killer Kowalski, but he but I know he was I know Harley wasn't uh, 
somebody I think who mentored him in the early days. You're right. Yes, I believe it was. I think it was. I think it was Kowalski, and I believe he was. I believe he also did train uh, under Harley as well. But I could be wrong. I think that is the case, though. Um, but uh, regardless, yes, a, a huge legacy in the business. And um, you know, again, we'll get to hear from Harley here later on the show in that 2015 interview that uh, that Raj Geary conducted that we're going to re-release here today. Uh, not only are you going to get to hear from Harley Race here today, uh, two more other interviews. We're going to have three interviews here today. So after you hear Justin, I talk the news of the day. Uh, like I said, you'll hear it from Harley Race, but you're also going to get to hear my interview I did with a current, new, new, freshly minted WWE Hall of Famer, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, will be here on the show today. And uh, also, I have one half of the Impact Wrestling. Tag Team Champions, Josh Alexander. Josh is actually going to be teaming with Michael Elgin to take on Mustache Mountain at a show that Destiny is produce, or promoting here uh, in Toronto over SummerSlam weekend. Very cool. Impact versus uh, WWE talent on an indie show up in Canada. Only 2019 can these things kind of happen. Uh, so it's going to be a big weekend. Lots going on. I'm actually heading to Toronto on Thursday, so I will be on the ground. I will be covering uh, SummerSlam TakeOver, uh, ROH uh, Summer Supercard, a couple of their indie events. So if you are interested in what is going on this weekend, um, be sure to follow Wrestling Inc. Be sure to follow me. We're going to have all your on-the-ground coverage of what is going on. And, of course, all of that is going to be run on the site. We'll have coverage of all these shows on the site as well and, and much, much more. So it's going to be a big, fun weekend. Come along for the ride. Let's get to it here. News you can use. News that will leave a bruise. Uh, we are going to start off with the news that has had everybody buzzing here for the past seven days, and that is the uh, attack of Roman Reigns at the end of last week's SmackDown. And we now know what is the cause of that attack. Apparently, it was an errant forklift operator that was responsible for Roman Reigns being piled with production equipment. Now, Samoa Joe was questioned about the incident at the airport by a WWE producer. He smacked the phone out of the producer's hand. WWE leveled a fine against Joe. Uh, a car tried to run down Roman Reigns on Raw last night as a follow-up to this. Uh, Joe then came over to aid Roman. Who could it be? Fans are speculating now that it could be Eric Rowan, since a man who looked like him was apparently seen walking away from the forklift incident. Uh, this, uh, this doesn't even include all the other random updates WWE gave us about Oh, we don't know who the forklift operator is. We released this report, but we didn't even find that out. It was actually an intern who did it. it it's it's gobbledygook. This this thing has been very sloppy, in my opinion, Justin. Well, I I, I can see why you say that, but I, I personally I like this. You know, I was at Raw last night, and you know, watching the the car angle, you know, made me think about you know Sid Vicious and WCW. Made me think about Rikishi, of course. You know, running sure. over Austin, and you know, I mean, I I kind of miss this stuff. I and I think that um, the 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 old fashioned who done it, the mystery build into it, putting some, you know, m maybe they're clues, maybe they're just red herrings. Is that is that Rowan over there? Is that this person here? I like this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, sure. There's always um. There's always going to be cracks in the story of like, well, 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 who is that forklift? You know, but that's part of I think that's part of the fun of this is just kind of the suspension of, of belief. Look, for, you know, we're going into a big show. Um, you know, Roman Reigns obviously has done, you know, he's been around the block. He's we've seen him in title matches. We've seen him against The Undertaker. We've you know, we, we've seen Roman Reigns do so much. There's really nothing that he hasn't done. So I kind of applaud. And again, I don't know if we're, who, who to assign the credit to. I know we give a lot of praise right now to Paul Heyman, but whoever collectively decided just to go a different direction and just you know and if it results in reigns and dan o'brien i'm fine with that because what a different dynamic they have now compared to you know three four years ago when when brian was on the rise as the underdog babyface and roman was the, the quote-unquote chosen one or if it's somebody 
we're not talking about who is, you know, in the mid card who's going to get an elevated uh, push here by beginning to put in the spot any which way. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with, with a whodunit like this. I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm fine with a whodunit. What is, it's just silly to me, the whole forklift thing. I would have never involved the forklift thing, right? It would, <laughs> I would have just, I would have just said, somebody attacked Roman. We still haven't gotten to the bottom of it. We're trying to figure it out. Great. But to assign blame to a forklift operator and then say, okay, we we did we found out that the forklift operator was actually an intern. Oh wait, maybe it wasn't an intern. Actually, we have no idea who did it. Maybe there was no forklift involved whatsoever. Who knows? Please ignore all of the tweets we've just sent out. It, that's what's so sloppy to me here. I think you could have connected yeah. these dots and and told a, a fine still like you say the Rikishi stuff, uh, the the Vince McMahon limo explosion. I'm for I'm all for a little bit of uh, uh, soap opera, a whodunit kind of deal. Uh, but this to me, the execution of this thing. Uh, you know, know where you're going. Don't try to just call this thing on the fly here. It almost feels like they tried to get out of it, and then they wanted back in. That's what's so wonky to me about this. I thought the car spot was great. I thought the thing last night, brutal, wonderful. But it, the way we got there, that's, what's, that's what I call sloppy. Well, and if it does turn out to be Brian and Eric Rowan, then it makes you wonder, okay, how much calling on the fly are they doing? Because obviously we saw for a few weeks there, Brian teasing an announcement, which we never got any payoff to. So, like, right. is this supposed to be somehow connected, or are we supposed to forget that Brian had an announcement? Yeah. So uh, we shall see what happens tonight on SmackDown regarding uh, the forklift incident with Roman Reigns. Just, it's just silly to me when I say it out loud. But, again, I don't know. Maybe Kim maybe Eric know. Rowan maybe Eric Rowan had the real forklift operator uh, tied up in a closet. <laughs> sure. And so uh, blame has been assigned to this forklift operator, even though it really wasn't him. It was Eric Rowan in the study with the forklift. And when WWE comes around asking who did this, you tell them you were driving that forklift. Right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, so uh, we got to uh, the new WWE 2K20 uh, commercial is now out. It features Becky Lynch crashing through the ceiling. Her and Roman Reigns uh, are going to be on the cover of 2K20. Uh, very, you know, cool that Becky's on the, the cover here. I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, these things don't really too, excite me too much. I mean, any any take on, on Becky and Roman on the cover of this uh, Vigia game? I mean, it's cool for Becky. It's cool for the women in general. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure there's still critique out there of, okay, why can't Becky just have it to herself? Sure. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like you. This doesn't really <clears> – I don't – you know, I don't I don't play games. I don't play these games anymore, so I, I don't get uh, – <laughs> You know, as excited, I understand the significance, you know, just as, as with the sport, you know, just as with, um, you know, Madden football games. You know, I, I understand the importance and significance of being on the cover of these um, annual installments. Um, I get it. So, like, I, I get like I get that that's a big deal. So, like, I mean, again, I understand that's a huge honor um, for Becky Lynch, considering, you know, we had a string of years where the, you know, the cover was, you know, the Sting or the Warrior. You know, there was, was all those these legends that they were bringing back or Goldberg. So I mean, I get that it's a big honor. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a good, the videos are always fun. The the reveals are always fun of of who it's going to be. I thought the video was, you know, up to par, entertaining the the reveal. But again, that's that's about where it ends for me. Yeah, I thought the commercial. I think the commercial is good. I think it's all right. It's I, I, some people are saying it's the best. I don't know if it's the best one. Right, the Seth Rollins one was pretty badass. Um, I was no, this more... is way better. This is way better than the Seth Rollins one. You think so? Yeah. Wasn't there like a cool Undertaker one a couple years ago too, where it was like we don't know what's going on here. I don't know. Uh, well, the Sting one, the Sting one might have been the best when he was walking. All of a sudden, you know, he turns and the entire orchestra had Sting face paint on. Oh, that's right. That one was also very good. Uh, the best part of this commercial for me was that Velveteen Dream was in it. I was like, oh, cool. That's, yeah. That's that's the best part of this commercial for me. So. 
Anyway, uh, in the in other news here regarding Becky Lynch, we now know that her match against Natalia at SummerSlam for the WWE Raw Women's Title is going to be a submission match. Hmm. What do you uh, What do you think? I mean, I'm good for it. I mean, look, you know that Becky Lynch has made a she's made a point of uh, they've made a point of building around her her submission for the most part in her run. Obviously, you know Natalia, she's a heart, so you can automatically she automatically has credibility with a sharpshooter. Um, so I'm good by it, especially if, and I assume, especially if Becky's going to win, it's just kind of just, it's just one more, you know, one more notch in her belt, so to speak, in the man's belt of, um, she won a submission match against a heart, uh, and it further cement. I mean, this is, remember, this is the same woman who, 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 who actually pinned Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. So, or, or beat Ronda Rousey, excuse me, at WrestleMania. So this is, you know, huge if, 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 if another bit of credibility to her, her disarmor can happen. It's been a couple of years since we saw a screwjob angle. You think we get one here? Uh, I mean, you know, it would, it would, it would give some life. It would give, you know, I mean, you know, WWE traditionally always, it always works better to have the baby face chasing. So, and if you're going to, but I mean, you gotta remember either in Toronto. So, I mean, is that, I mean, is that, is that on purpose that you'd have the Canadian, you know, win here? I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think, I think, I think, I think Natalia gets screwed here in Canada, man. I think that's, I mean, the submission, I was already thinking that. And then when they wait, drew... you think wait, you think the heel gets screwed? I mean, she's the heel. She ain't gonna be the heel in Canada. Becky's gonna be heel in Canada. All right. Yeah, Natalia ain't getting booed in Canada. I didn't. I didn't, right. I, I know they tried to baby up Becky last night on the show, but I don't think it was enough. I think Natalia's gonna get cheered, and I think Becky's gonna be booed hundred percent. You don't think so? Okay. Well, well, I can see that for the Canadian dynamic, but I still I don't see you can't screw Natalia that for the one night there. Um, you can't, you know, and then because it's because then when you go, I don't know where I don't know where Raw's at the next night, but once you're back in the states, it's it's not going to resonate. It's going to be oh, well, Becky's the baby face. Of course, I'm happy that she won. I don't know, man. I don't know. People are. I don't know. Becky and Seth have some weird jo- weird weird mojo right now. I don't know that people... I don't. I don't think Becky's mojo is weird. I think Seth's mojo is weird. But I mean, look, Becky just got announced for the cover. I mean, what are you talking? I mean, you know, I, mean, I don't. Know. I, <laughs> I. I think. I think. I think Becky looks a lot stronger than than Seth. They've so. put her. They've put her in such a weird spot here, in my opinion, in Canada, going up against Natalia. And this submission match thing for me, like, I don't know. I was already kind of thinking, you know, they're gonna. I don't know if Becky outright, you know, figures out a way, or somebody else comes in and screws Natalia, and they, they can pass the heat to whoever it is that does it. And Becky can walk away saying, I didn't do it or whatever. Uh, it's just something, something smells fishy here to me. That's all I'm saying. Submission matches are also, you got to be more creative in order to pull a screw job off. You know what I mean? Well, that's the, the whole Montreal finish was a submission finish. Right. But I'm saying, but because that's, because the match can only end in submissions. I mean, what, I mean, you, if, if anybody was going to get, if anybody's going to be the victim, I still think that they, they put the title on Italia. They, Becky gets Becky gets screwed and and then now you have some life the fall you're gonna have Becky chase I don't know I just I, okay. I can't see it the other way around okay uh, hey I don't know uh, they really put that sharpshooter over though on Monday night didn't they yeah 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 just saying fishy is what I think fishy uh well also last night on Raw we saw the return of Goldberg as the Miz announced that Goldberg is going to be the one facing Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam now you were in the building for this Justin this this came across as a big deal to me on tv how did it feel in the building oh it came off as a big deal uh if you go to my twitter i think it's uh, well, at least as at the point of us recording this it's like the last tweet that i put out it's um a video of goldberg of um of, of, of him coming out and you know i don't know i don't know how well you could hear on tv but uh yeah i mean it, as from for, for the entire time that segment was going on with ms michaels and off in the ring 
there were Goldberg chants uh, going in and out of, 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 of the crowd. And then obviously as they got closer and closer to, you know, you know, person you actually are, fa- you know, I mean, the, the, the anticipation was there. People, you know, on the internet, they, they speculated as much. Um, and there was a big pop, you know? So, I mean, obviously Goldberg coming off a lot of critique and fire from all of us from the performance in Saudi Arabia, but that did not hinder the Pittsburgh crowd, at least from being very excited to see him. Yeah. I, I, I thought he looked good. I thought it was fun. You know, this and Trish, you know, this is a little bit more in line with the kind of sprinkling the legends throughout the show. I think that's going to keep more casual fans uh, coming back more regularly if they know this kind of stuff can happen. But from a storyline perspective here, I I, I got to think Dolph beats Goldberg. If, if Goldberg just beats what? I, I mean, look the match what? the match staring me in the face at the end of this right what? was the match. Listen, hear me out, okay? All right. The match that I foresee this leading to is Dolph Shawn Michaels WrestleMania. I I I the the last moment there, the super kick from Shawn. I was already on the hook where I was like, oh. This is going to be a great match. Dolph will fight Goldberg. Maybe Goldberg will look a little better than any of the last match. He'll lose. He'll put over Dolph. And we're on the road, I think, here to, to Mania or Rumble where we're going to see Dolph Shawn Michaels. You can't have teased this so much and, and not pay it off at some point. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time they've teased things with Shawn Michaels and it hasn't got, like, the the payoff you'd hope for. I mean, granted, he, granted he did go back in the ring, you know, in the tag match last fall in Saudi. But, look, I mean... Well, first off, if you if you were serious and if you if you're picking Dolph Ziggler, then as I always tell people when, you, when they do these big pay per views, my buddies at WrestleRumble.com, where you get to predict <laughs> who wins and such like that, and you oh, get yeah. to win up to like five. This actually, this one might be up to a thousand dollars for the grand prize. If you pick Dolph Ziggler, you might win because you might be the only person who's going to pick Dolph Ziggler. Uh, so that means you you automatically have more points than everybody else, anyways. Look, I'm not. I just I can't I can't see. Okay. Look, this is this is redemption for Goldberg. He, this is redemption from 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 the performance. Let's hope to God he doesn't concuss himself and headbutt the door before he makes his entrance. I, I don't I don't see this. And granted, I get excited by the thought of a Dolph Ziggler versus Shawn Michael. I get a thought of I get excited by the thought of Shawn Michaels versus anybody at WrestleMania. But I just don't see like how does Dolph beat Goldberg? Like what 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 is he? Does he pull the Bret Hart because they're in Canada and they he puts the steel plate under a shirt and. Goldberg spears that. I mean, like, what, what, what are we talking about? Dolph here? Ziggler is a spry, young, athletic man. I, I, I feel like this is their. I, I feel like in some ways, a win over Goldberg will be like a reward to Dolph for coming back and doing the business that he has done. Uh, I know they like Dolph a lot. And again, for me, the match that is lead, this is leading to is Dolph Shawn Michaels. I, I, in my head, I, I think that's where they're going with this at some point. And for that to work. He can't lose here to Goldberg. I, I just I don't see it, man. I don't see it. I, I agree. If that if that's if that's the long term plan, then the, then a win against Goldberg would up Dolph Ziggler's credibility. I just don't see Goldberg agreeing that like again. How the hell does Dolph? I mean, X's and O's this for me. How the hell does Dolph beat Goldberg? I don't know. Schoolboy. It's wrestling, right? He makes. I don't know. He pins him. Uh, the he forklift driver spin. comes out and knocks out Goldberg. I don't, yes, the forklift <laughs> driver will knock out Goldberg. No, oh, uh, you better. You better go to wrestlerumble.com because I'm telling you, man. You 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 have the you have the month's mortgage or rent uh, paid for if you if look, you decide to look. I'm not a masochist. I'm picking Brock Lesnar over Seth. That seems like unless I'm wrong. You think I'm wrong about that? Uh, we'll get there. I don't know. Okay. We'll save it. That's right. Thursday we're doing our SummerSlam preview show, so we'll save it for that. All right. Well, it is a thousand grand prize for WrestleRumble.com. First place a thousand bucks. Second place a hundred. Third place a hundred. And there's some more prizes after that. I loved. I loved the Seth Rollins promo. By the way, on Raw, it felt so Shakespearean to me. I was like, wow, he is Hamlet. He is like losing his mind right now. I think he loses to to Brock and then just spirals. 
and start seeing ghosts and stuff. Breaks up with Becky. He starts dating Maria. Sure, whatever. Yeah, why not? He's, he's, he's the father of Maria's child. Maybe that's why he's so wonky these days. Good, good call. You know, let's talk about Maria here. So on Raw last night, Mike Kanellis pinned his wife, Maria, while she was at the OBGYN. By the way, the shadiest OBGYN office I have ever seen. I would not let anybody in a curtained-off environment uh, uh, allow my uh, allow them to uh, to look at my nether regions like that. Shady-looking doctor's office. So he wins the 24-7 title. He goes out to the uh, lobby. Our truth is there, dressed up as uh, a woman. And Carmella's dressed up as a dude. Quick roll-up, takes the title, leaves. Um, this to me, this is when the levy has started to break for me with the 24 seven title. This just didn't have the same creative bite to me that these other segments have had. Uh, that creative bite. It just sounds like they came up with the too late to where they had to set up the worst looking makeshift office in the backstage area of PPG paints arena. They couldn't even Ooh. go up and use like one of the conference rooms upstairs or something like that. <laughs> it looked, it looked like a, it looked like a third world country Island or something like yes. that. Yes. Um, yes. Doing some shady, some shady business. I, I, I don't know, dude, I've, I've given up on trying I mean, look, I, I, it's fun. I just, I just let, I just let it be what it is. We're seeing Mike and Maria. They're getting to, she's getting to have creative depth and range and goofiness. So they're making good money, whatever. At this point, I just accept it. Sure. Laugh and move I, on. It's just like the ease in which our truth just like rolls up. Mike three count, not even a hint of, of athleticism or wrestling. It's just a transition. What are right? you talking about? But, but of course he's going to roll Mike up easy. Mike's the same guy who's getting emasculated by his wife. I mean, he's, he's, of course he's going to roll Mike up easily. <laughs> Mike, just, Mike has nothing going for him right now. This was of, of the recent 24-7 sketches that I feel have been largely entertaining. This one to me was the weakest. This just to me, this just felt, yeah. Like this, is better, this is better than Briscoe and Patterson. No. Briscoe Patterson, what? that was vintage. That was, I had fun with that. I was like, oh, the, the we couldn't we couldn't even see Briscoe do it. I mean, that's come a, on, that's hilarious. That was funny. No, it's not hilarious. That was fine. That was funny. This was this was this was roll my eyes. This was weird. Um, well, also, uh, that wasn't the only title change we saw in Raw. We saw the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Titles switch hands there as the Iconics uh, were in a fatal four way elimination match. The first team eliminated. You were guaranteed new champions, which I thought was a great hook. Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Ultimately, uh, one out, I believe, beating the Kabuki Warriors as the last two teams. They are now your WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. I think they'll be great. This they got to do better than the Iconics. The Iconics never went anywhere with these titles. Well, I mean, I'm a fan of the Iconics, but I mean, I, I, I things were kind of just treading water. But I, I think that's, I don't think that's on the Iconics. They, they did the best they could when they were told to go out and do it. Sure. Uh, but yeah, Nikki Nikki Cross seems to be. She seems to really be catching a little lightning in a bottle with the. Um, with the unusual, but it seems to be working. The uh, role she's been given with this relationship with Alexa Bliss. So yeah, yeah we'll see. We'll see what happens. Kind of gives me Mickey James Trish vibes, right? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, not as not as heavy on the lesbian stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yet wait till somebody puts that in Vince's ear. So uh, no, yeah. Just I... wait. Just wait till they go to the OGBYN together. Exactly. Uh, well, the Observer uh, oh, with... OBGYN. I think I said OG. Whatever. You know. OBGYN. I was hoping for Joey Styles to yell that. And with the title change, <laughs> it didn't happen. Catfight! <laughs> Feral hogs. Wasn't that the line that was used in the tag match here by Corey Graves that everybody picked up on? I, I couldn't hear commentary. I was in there live. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So at one point, I think it was like Nikki tagged in with and came in with Alexa. And then Corey Graves was like, oh, they're they're hitting the ring like a couple of feral hogs. Everyone's like, that's a weird thing to call them. <laughs> so anyway. 
That's what you miss being there live, buddy. Uh, The Observer uh, had an update here about The Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker's new WWE deal, while not exactly billed as a lifetime contract, is for so many years that for all intents and purposes, it is, in fact, a lifetime deal. Uh, I I mean, I guess it's Undertaker, so nothing surprises me, but good on him. He's found his home, and he doesn't seem to be going anywhere else. So the dead man has a contract until he dies. Yeah, that is, uh, I guess, forever. Because, like, he's already dead, so it's, I don't know. I don't even know how to think about that. Well, um, his brother Kane, storyline brother Kane, uh, is currently advertised for the Raw Live events on Friday, uh, or is advertised for the Raw Live event on Friday, August 23rd in Bozier City, Louisiana, and the Raw Live event on Saturday, August 24th in Lafayette, Louisiana. He is scheduled to face Braun Strowman at the Lafayette show, so Kane will be back in action here. Uh, Undertaker's around for life so i you know bro, more brothers and destruction stuff as, as i guess what i'm gleaning from this in the not so distant future random cane appearance you know what i mean like not yeah. you know like i don't know if like maybe like did a bunch of people ask for vacations so, like they're really short on like names to draw a live event numbers or like it's not even in it's not even in tennessee so it's not even like it's not even like it could be a cross promotion to his, his political career i kind of you know I, I was i didn't think too hard about this story but I guess if you're trying to bump your your house show numbers up a little bit, occasional you bringing a bringing a name in for just a one weekend loop to make that 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 those events feel special. Maybe that I don't know. Maybe it maybe it's a good idea. Could be if you're a big Kane uh, fan. I, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess if I mean, I guess they're they're small cities, but maybe that's the point of it. Maybe if they're small markets. Maybe they feel that that's, this would be. You know, the small market doesn't get to see Kane a lot. I don't know. Yeah. This, this, this was really odd when I read this. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. Um, Matt Riddle and Chris Jericho got into a Twitter. F- <laughs> <laughs> You're already laughing about this. Because all I can see <laughs> is a split screen of each of them making their goofy faces to the camera. So Matt Riddle and Chris Jericho <laughs> got into a little bit of a Twitter spat over the weekend. Uh, it started off with uh, some fan was uh, writing about how Riddle needs to read this chapter from Jericho's book about having to show respect to, to elder wrestlers as to make them look strong. Uh, and he's, Jericho said to Riddle in regards to the advice, listen and learn, kid, which the, the King of Bros did not take too well to. Uh, Riddle released a video, two minutes, 15 seconds long. If you haven't watched it, go out and watch it. I'm not going to quote it here. But he basically just rips into Goldberg <laughs> mercilessly, saying that when wrestlers uh, want to become wrestlers or are studying tape, they will never in their lives pull up a Goldberg match. When people are trying to watch their favorite matches, they'll never pull up a Goldberg match. Um, and then he ripped into Jericho, saying that he could beat the shit out of him. Um, and then he talked about how Booker T had made comments about him, but he's like, I kind of like Booker T, so I don't really want he with Booker T. It was amazing to watch this man think out loud. So after this this video, Jericho just releases a little five second gif of him making a a, a silly Matt Riddle esque face, which I thought was weirdly appropriate from Jericho on this. Oh, Riddle also ripped into Lance Storm, saying he was boring and fell asleep during his training classes. I think I got it all there. I think I remember most of it. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, first off, Jericho is a tough, tough. You know he can hold his own. So I mean, I'm not. So, but I mean, you know, obviously Matt Riddle obviously is a former MMA fighter. So that would be that would be an intriguing yeah. uh, shoot, shoot fight there. Um, bro, I got it, bro, bro, I got it, bro. Matt Riddle would beat. I bro, think in a legit fight, I have no doubts Matt Riddle would would toss Chris Jericho. But this is again, we're not. I mean, a- he should based upon age difference and yes. and just 
just just formal training. But bro, I got it. <laughs> Look, Jerry, I'll never. You know, I was reading this. Bro, time. I have it. If if, if Dolph Ziggler is going to beat Goldberg, yeah. Matt Riddle for the run-in. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, Matt Riddle's going to be there. There's NXT, right? And that's true. You know, man, that Riddle-Goldberg match at some point will be terrible. But, uh, you know, like the... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, here's the thing about Goldberg. is Goldberg is like a legit jujitsu badass, right? And so if he did have to go into somebody with Riddle, maybe trim down a little bit. And, and worked more blood sport, you know, uh, pank, pancreas-style uh, fighting, I think is the new phrase that's caught my attention regarding, like, these more shoot-styled-looking pro wrestling matches. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe that could be good. You know, maybe Goldberg just needs to change his format or, you know, his style up a little bit as he's gotten older, you know? What? Yeah, man. Imagine if, uh, you know, we always talk about NXT and NXT if it goes to Fox on a Wednesday and this and that. What what a what a, what a big draw if, if you put Goldberg on an NXT on Fox and it was Goldberg versus Matt. I mean, seriously, use your legends and put someone on that to give that the boost. Sure. Have J.J. Dillon come out the, the week before and announce, you know what? We're doing it. <laughs> Uh, next week in the Georgia Dome. All right. Uh, speaking well, of NXT, speaking of NXT, at WrestleVotes, uh, reports that WWE NXT officials very high on Riddick Moss. Moss has been a standout uh, talent at the Performance Center Orlando as of late, and NXT higher-ups are seeing something in him. He's been described as having the mindset and work ethic of a true professional. No word yet on if this praise will lead to a push on TV, but Moss is said to be a crucial part of the NXT Performance Center machine. Uh, I've seen, I, I think the first time I saw Riddick Moss, uh, a couple years ago at uh, WWE Access, WrestleMania weekend, he was working one of the shows uh, there. And uh, my first impression was, this is a very large man. <laughs> and I'm surprised they haven't yes. done more with him, honestly, to this point, you know? Yeah, no, he's built, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he, he's built solid. And, uh, you know, so that's that's cool to hear if, if, if that's if that's the inside, um you know, kind of consensus amongst those there is that he's, you know, he's got all, he's doing all the right things. He's got the right mindset. I mean, he, he, you look at him, he's got, he's got a million bucks written all over him when you just look at him. So, yeah. Uh, the observer also reporting in the world of NXT and developmental El Hijo de Fantasma, uh, George Alcantar known to Lucha underground fans as King Cuerno is expected to start with WWE in September uh, in the September class at the performance center Orlando. Uh, WWE has had interest in the 35-year-old Cuerno since the first season of Lucha Underground because he speaks perfect English and Spanish, of course, and he's said to be a very, or he is, a very strong worker. Yeah, I'm a big Cuerno fan. Always enjoyed his work. I'm sure he'll be great down in NXT. But again, man, it's just like NXT. What a glut of talent at the moment, you know? How do you find spots for all these guys? Well, and it's pretty interesting, too, finding spots. And, you know, there was once upon a time where WWE wouldn't even think about signing a new talent that's 35 years old but i guess if, if they if the plan is look you're just your, your life is just going to be here in nxt or here you know helping international you know relations in terms of being able to be bilingual and then appeal to different markets and i guess yeah, maybe it's part of the plan though uh and last nxt note here a bit of an unfortunate note a fan at friday's nxt live event in largo florida reportedly threw up a nazi salute to german nxt wrestler marcel barthel now according to Several on social media, Barthel called out the fan and wanted him thrown out. Good. Uh, other talent and fans called for this person to be thrown out. Uh, according to one Twitter user who documented the whole thing, the person was escorted out of the building by security, but was eventually let back in. Others that tweeted about the incident also made it aware that the person was back sitting in their seat. 
So good on the wrestler. Good on this guy being thrown out. But I, again, I don't know what was said. I don't know what was going down, but I wouldn't let this asshole back in the building. He threw up a Nazi salute. So, you know, at the very least, he should be escorted out of the building. Yikes. <laughs> yes, yikes. Don't be throwing Nazi salutes, y'all. Uh, all right. Uh, move over here. we got two more fun, more a little bit more lighthearted notes here. Uh, first of all, AEW has sold out its first TV taping in roughly three hours. The Observer reporting. Now, this is kind of interesting here. So the building itself, um, the uh, – what is it? The, the uh, Capital One Arena. Capital. I almost said Credit Card Arena. I knew that wasn't right. Capital One Arena. Uh, it seats about 20,000 people. Now, the first right wave of tickets they sold here – was between nine and 10,000 tickets, the Observer is reporting. So over time here, as they figure out, I'm sure what the production layout is going to look like, more tickets will be released. But regardless, this is good news for AEW. All the tickets they had up, gone in three hours. Can they keep this momentum, Justin? I guess is what I'm saying, week in and week out. That's a great question. I mean, this is a great start. Um, I'm extremely familiar with this arena. Um, you know, For those of you who don't know, I'm from the Maryland, D.C. area, so I'm, I, I'm a big Capitals fan. I'm Capitals playing this building. I used to go to... WCW Starcade, I was there when Goldberg lost to Kevin Nash. Like I've, I've been to the Raw there when Paul Heyman made his debut on commentary for WWE. I mean, I'm I've seen a lot of wrestling in that building. It's a big building, it's steep. It's it's not like the newer how the newer arenas are built here in these last ten years. This was built in like '96, '97 area, uh, and it's tall. It's got like five levels. So the fact that, and we and we mentioned this a little bit, the fact they chose this building it was a was a bit of a ballsy move in the first place. And yeah, for, for you know when you go in there for wrestling and production, you know ten thousand is a reasonable number. And then yeah, once you start really finding out, okay, how are we setting this up? And you know this is their first TV, so they're obviously going to make sure that whatever look they unveil here is what they can consistently pull off everywhere else. So I I totally get them um, releasing this batch and then you know rolling out a few more thousand as they get closer to it and realize what they have to offer. Uh, can they keep it up? You know that's. I mean, I guess as long as they're gonna, first off, as long as they're gonna, as long as their as their content, which up to this point has been, granted it's not weekly, but as long as their content remains interesting and 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 then and the talent of who's there is interesting, I, I mean, it seems that that it seems possible, especially if they're not going to do as many live events, non televised shows that you know WWE and others might do. That if you know, if the demand is if you want to see it live, you just got to go to a TV taping. That certainly could help things. I mean, you know, we've we've talked about it you know, for a long time. WWE oversaturates themselves having, you know, two and three. I mean, when you when you include NXT, you're talking about four potential tours simultaneously happening, hitting these different size markets, and that just oversaturates. So I mean, um, you know, will they be able to sell out within three hours every single week? I'm sure it's going to slow up eventually. But, I mean, even if they can just make sure they're close to 90%, 80% selling out each TV, that's still pretty damn good. Yeah, it's, it's you know, when I think about this debate, can they can they keep this consistency going? Um, we haven't really seen long stories play out in AEW yet, right? Because you, you have shows every couple months, and, you know, so there's only – you can only really tell broad-stroke stories in that, right? Probably the most – detailed story so far is by Kenny Omega and, and Moxley just because of the surprise and the way they've interacted. I guess you could maybe make a case for Sean Spears, Cody, uh, you know, being, being that or the Lucha brothers, young bucks, but there's not a lot of meat to that. I'm, I'm very, very interested to see what the weekend week out creative product is of AEW. what stories they're going to tell, I guess is I'm very intrigued by that. Sure. Uh, sure. And, and, you know, will they still you know, right now, or it's been that way, you know, they, when they put out their being the elite series each week, I mean, that's a big, I mean, that's, it's kind of like a fun chance for the the different characters to kind of, you know, be goofy and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's like a, 
you know, a, 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 a smorgasbord, a buffet of different, you know, segments with these characters, you know, would that still be something that they use to help stories from TV? You know, like, you know, what, what this is, I mean, it's, again, we say to remember, this is just going to be a, October is going to be fascinating yeah, <laughs> to yeah. see how this all looks. Uh, we'll talk about fascinating in our last news bit here. Our good friend Sean Waltman on his X-Pac 12360 podcast revealed some details about Triple H's 50th birthday party. Now, it went down to New Hampshire, very, very private event, about 50 people were involved here. Uh, they took over a 40-room mansion or whatever in, in New Hampshire. Everybody flew in, and uh, Waltman said that everybody got to ride jet skis, boats, go-karts. There was some recreational axe throwing uh, where he recalled seeing Vince McMahon and Kevin Nash throwing axes and commented how jacked Vince McMahon looked. Uh, Stephanie brought everyone outside, instructed him to watch the tree line about a quarter mile away later in the party at night, and that's when... Hundreds of drones appeared in the sky for a big light show, which included the DX logo and theme song. Waltman talked about how there were a lot of special effects during the drone sh- the drone show, which caused a bunch of cars to pull over to the side of the road to see what is happening. Are those aliens, I'm sure is what they were gas- asking themselves. Uh, there had been rumors of a special guest all night long. And that's when Stephanie asked everyone to help welcome music legend, John Fogarty of Creedence Clearwater Revival to the stage, uh, which included Triple H's logo. Waltman said everyone popped at Fogarty and couldn't believe it. I can't believe it. Fogarty performed before introducing legendary Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top, who flew in for the party from Spain and then flew back to Spain. Gibbons had performed some ZZ Top hits. Incredible. Waltman then revealed or recalled how he danced with Linda McMahon on the dance floor, and Vince was cutting a rug with Stephanie at one point. Waltman noted how Vince had really good dance moves and was owning the dance floor while the band was playing. This sounds incredible. Jealous I did not get to attend. That sounds like a lot of fun. So last night, uh, I'm always thrilled I get to see him. Last night, I had a lengthy conversation with Jerry McDivitt. For those of you who don't know, Jerry McDivitt has been WWE and Vince McMahon's lawyer for the last 30-plus years. Sure. Um. And I have a picture of him on social if you want to see what he looks like. Uh, but I talked to Jerry last night. He's always great to talk to. And, and he's here in Pittsburgh is where he's based. And he, he attended the party. <laughs> and, and he most of what he told me was similar to what he, what, 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 what Waltman revealed. Uh, he talked about a few other things, which, you know, are what they are. And, but, it, it, yeah, he, he's talking about the food and, you know, the, the light show. And he was just in awe. <laughs> I mean, again, this guy's done the McMahon's for three, over three decades. He was in awe of the of the razzle dazzle that this event had this this private party which is pretty cool to hear from him i guess at this time we'll appear be appearing at beefcake with beers at grand central bar and grill in niagara falls on august 9th alongside his former wwe tag team championship partner greg the hammer valentine it is new freshly minted wwe hall of famer brutus the barber beefcake brutus thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me here today no problem, brother. Good to be back on the air. I appreciate you taking the time, man. I'm excited to hear about you and Greg headed back to Canada here. How did uh, how did this come about? What, what brings you and Greg to Canada here for the first time in a while? Well, Chris Dabrowski, a longtime personal close friend, uh, and I've been working together for many years, and Greg's worked with him, too. And, uh, you know, very successful whenever I'm there, and we have great uh, great. Uh, fans up there and so we decided you know hey that, me and greg haven't been together in canada for many many years so let's uh 
let's get an opportunity to see, you know, who, who was interested and who wasn't. And we had, you know, a real great uh, response. So, you know, here we come. Very cool, man. And this will be an experience now for the fans to come to talk with you guys. You're tell me a little bit about your time with Greg, though. Like, what when you think back on the Dream Team, like, what are the highlights? What are your favorite memories of, of working with Greg? Well, when, you know, I've, I've going to uh, Philadelphia with Pepper Pack House and winning the belts, and then uh, you know touring the country for for a year, just you know everywhere with huge crowds. The response was great. We we had so much fun uh, running around. It's like we, I didn't buy my. I didn't. If we stepped into like a a diner somewhere or anything, people bought us dinner every night. It was even though we were bad guys, we were really well liked and accepted by the people. It was a different time. You know those the, those times there in '85. Things were changing, and more fans and more fans are realizing it's okay to cheer for the bad guys. You know and. It started a whole revolution. That's awesome, man. And, you know, uh, yeah, like you said, that time, 85 there, you guys uh, uh, feuded with the Bulldogs going into WrestleMania 2, which is always such a unique pay-per-view because, you know, WrestleMania 2, they experimented with trying to do it in, like, three different locations. Uh, what do you remember from WrestleMania 2? What was it like putting together a, a unique kind of show like that? Well, yeah, three shows, New York, Chicago, L.A., each with its own little separate theme and, and uh, programs going on, I, it was brilliant, uh, brilliantly planned. You know, I, I loved the Bulldogs. I, I don't think they were really ready to run with the belts. I think that was a mistake. I mean, they should have kept them on us. But you know, it, it is what it is. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it was very successful, which you know led into the next WrestleMania with a lot of steam into WrestleMania three. You know, and and uh, I mean that one was insane. A hundred thousand people. You know, indoors, uh, the, the sound, the building was shaking literally like it was an earthquake going on with all these people stomping their feet and yelling and screaming. I, I've never experienced anything like it before or since. Um, now, uh, this was the WrestleMania 2 show, though, here with you guys and the Bulldogs. That was interesting, too, for another reason, because uh, Ozzy Osbourne was in the corner of the Bulldogs. Uh, that's a pretty iconic moment. What was it like working with Ozzy that night? <laughs> oh, Ozzy's a—he's a trip to be around. We, we, there was quite a few people that came around. You know, Hollywood opened up the music business and, and the wrestling business. Have always kind of been close knit. We worked the same buildings night after night. We—they tear down the wrestling stage, and the next day, Ozzy's—they're putting up Ozzy's stage so he can play in the same city we just played. You know, it's—it's uh, it's, and it's always been that way. So you know, Ozzy was fun. He. He, he was uh, just, you know, running around being Ozzy, and it was just, it was kind of cool just to to watch. You know, had uh, Jake had uh, what was the snake guy? Um, shoot, uh, <laughs> I can't oh, remember. Alice Cooper. Jake had his guy, the Alice, Alice Co Cooper, right? Yeah. Who, you know, I've met him several times. All these guys, I've, you know, I haven't really seen run into to to Ozzy that much but I mean a lot of other bands we see all the time like Leonard Skinner and, and uh, ZZ Top and, and and have a lot of friends out there in the music business so it's it's always a lot of fun to get together and with these gigantic and uh, you know pay-per-views and everything and it's just people running around in all kind of directions i'm glad i didn't have to be the one to try to organize it all yeah well uh and now let me talk uh, ask you a little bit about you and greg now what's your you and greg are like pretty close friends outside of the ring to this day is that is that tr is, is that the case 
Yeah, we um, he was in Florida and moved to uh, Las Vegas about a year ago, year and a half, and he loves it out there. And uh, so we haven't seen each other as, as often as we have in the past, but we're still working a lot t- together on shows around the country. And uh, so it's it's a lot of fun. I have to ask you, what do you make of uh... – the the photos of you and Greg just sitting around drinking beer and watching TV that have become really popular with wrestling fans. I know you guys. I know you did a callback to it recently. What do you think about that? Well, you know, it just the the dream team. You know, here's thirty four years later, chilling out, having some having some cold brujas. You know, enjoying life. I, it's, you know, it's just it's uh, reality TV. Yeah, I guess I guess people really like those photos. You seen it like people, you know, they share those things. They just I don't know. I guess it is just you two kicking it. People seem to have an affinity for that. So Um, I remember I remember my wife took that picture. (laughs) I think we were at a little little, uh, Greg's little apartment down on on the beach and stuff. And uh, yeah, we had a great cookouts and, and lots of fun down there. That's awesome, man. Well, how are you? How are you holding up physically, mentally? You you obviously lived a life of a wrestler. How are you doing these days? I'm doing great. I'm still, you know, try to hit the gym when I can, and been traveling. Went to the UK already this year. Going back to Scotland later in the year. Um, you know, just everything is very cool. You know, just enjoying myself. Knee is my knee's doing fantastic. I'm. Uh, I was worried about my other knee because it's like. Uh, your car. If you buy a new car and you wear out the right front tire, pretty good bet the left front tire is worn out too. <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, not not wanting to really have to go replace my other knee like a lot of a lot of guys have had to, and then, then you know, knees and hips and everything. I mean, that was really the first surgery I've ever had, and that was after 40, 40 something two years wow. in the ring, and, and uh, amazing feat in itself. You know, and then the uh, you know the fans all stepped up to help make it make it all possible. I'm just grateful to all my fans in Canada and all over the world for for following me and and, and coming out and to shake my hand and take a picture or just say hi or whatever it is. And because uh, the response everywhere I've been has been tremendous, especially since the Hall of Fame uh, uh, thing this year at uh, WrestleMania and everything. The the, cr- the crowd, the response is you know just huge huge and so i'm just excited to go out and and go new places where i haven't been and uh because the receptions have been tremendous no I, I didn't i didn't know that you had gone over 40 years without getting injured to the point of needing surgery in pro wrestling like you say that's quite a feat you know right now in pro wrestling injuries are like really common a lot of guys getting injured all the time what do you attribute your longevity to and what advice would you give to the current generation of wrestlers who seem to be more injury prone well, the thing is, it, it's a whole different type of wrestling now than than ever. They're they guys uh, are closer to being gymnasts than you know than than we ever were. We we did less high risk moves, although we worked way 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 more than they ever have. I mean, we were wrestling seven days a week, sometimes twice on the on the weekends, doing TV tapings. You know. I I registered I checked in my books and when when I interviewed by CBS 
sports channel and i i came up with basically almost 500 matches in 1985 and 86 and 87 which that's another feat in itself because to pull pull off that many matches in over a year's time we we barely had any time off so we worked (laughs) we worked for year after year after year non-stop seven days a week and uh, just, you know, just being able to do that's amazing. And, and then, you know, we just didn't do as many high risk and stuff. The wrestling was a different thing. Was, there actually was wrestling in the wrestling match. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, we didn't do, worry about doing flips and cartwheels and all that stuff. We were out there fighting. Wow. Uh, well, you brought up the Hall of Fame earlier. How did it feel to finally get to, to join your friends in the Hall of Fame uh, this past year in New York? Well, it was a great night. Tremendous. You know, like I said, great, great, great crowd response. Amazing. To, a big honor, you know, a great honor to be, uh, you know, uh, to brought brought into the Hall of Fame and then, uh, you know, and honored at WrestleMania and the whole thing. So, yeah, it was a great weekend. Wanted to always remember, you know, like I said, it was very honor, honored to be accepted into the, to the family, and uh, you know, just excited about the future. Now you were there the same night. Now the the Hart Foundation uh, went in as well, and Bret Hart was like attacked by a crazy fan. Uh, what do you what do you remember from from what happened there in that commotion? Well, basically, I was standing out at what we call the gorilla position just off uh, off camera in a little holding area where everybody uh, went, went out to the ring for, for and, and was I saw it happening, didn't, couldn't believe my eyes. I kind of thought it was some kind of, it was going to be some kind of publicity stunt. Maybe it was uh, one of the hearts, <laughs> a young heart that I didn't know about, or a brother or a cousin or somebody, and they're going to do a little rumble out there, and then he's going to pop up like, here I am, Mr. Introducing the new heart or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't happen. They started beating the bag out of the guy and dragged him off off stage. And it, it, you know, it was we were surprised. Everybody was surprised. Man, that's wild. Shocked. Yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, we've had a lot of. I've seen a lot of things happen, but nef- nothing ever quite like that. Any you know? any fans ever in your career try to jump the barricade and get one in on you or anything like that? Oh, we had tons and tons of fans over the years. We had Greg and I came out of Madison Square Gardens one time thinking it was late. There, nobody would be out there. There was 3,000 people still out there in, in, in the places surrounded, basically. And we had to, you know, the cops made a hole for us to get through the crowd. And we had to basically take off down sidewalks because there's just the traffic and everything down the sidewalk to get away from, you know, the thousand people that were trying to destroy us in the car. <laughs> so, you know, we, I've seen more riots and fights in the crowd, you know, the, the people, people would cheer for the dream team. And, uh, the, you know, the other people who like the good guys didn't like it. And next thing you know, they'd be battling it out in, in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> So I saw a lot of fights. We, sometimes we got to just kind of jump out of the ring and wait for security to defuse it and then get back up and kind of get the match going again. Terrifying. It's pretty, pretty much of a, a wild thing. 
Uh, well, you know, obviously you uh, not just a big WWE, WWF star. You are also spent some time in WCW. You worked for uh, Eric Bischoff, who's now back with WWE in this like executive creative role. What do you think of WWE bringing him back in that capacity? Well, I wish him, I wish him the best. I wish him good luck. Um, it's a, that's going to be a tough position. You know, they've had a lot of people coming and going, and writers, you know, having everything being scripted and everything. It really makes it way more difficult. You know, back in our day, guys handled their own characters, didn't have to be led around or told what to do or what to say. We, you know, we we knew our job, we knew how to do it well, and uh, and uh, so you know, he's got his hands full. Yeah, and you know what? Do, what do you remember about working with Eric and WCW? How was he as a, as a as a boss and a creative person? You know, I wasn't really in the office, so I, you know, I didn't really. You know, I saw Eric. You know, events and everything. You know, I'm not real close with him. I know his son. Um, you know, we've done projects together. I, you know, everything's always been great. Okay. And uh, how much uh, how, how much do you keep up with pro wrestling right now outside of WWE and in the general mainstream? Well, I'm not really since I'm not doing wrestling events. Occasionally, I might do something. I do a barbershop, a live barbershop with sure. people at a at some kind of wrestling event. But I, I'm not really, you know, I, I'm enjoying being home and you know hanging out with friends and cooking out. So he's like, you know, I've kind of been, I'm almost a little burned out on wrestling, kind of, you know, the wrestling, 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 it's a life for 45 years. And sometimes it's cool just to go to the beach and go fishing and ride my motorcycle and go to the gym and, you know, kind of not think about wrestling. Yeah. Well, I, I guess, I guess the only reason I ask that is, you know, Cody, you know, the son of Dusty and uh, the Bucks, you know, they got this AEW thing. It just got announced. They're going to be live Wednesday nights on TNT. Start in October. That literally was announced like 24 hours ago. I mean, what do you think of the work that they're doing with this new promotion? And, you know, I don't know. What, I mean, just your thoughts on AEW in general? Well, I have uh, been involved with some of their upper echelon and, uh, you know, did an event for them in Chicago and one in Las Vegas. And uh, Conrad and, and uh, you know, they started the, the Brutus. Uh, blank and Barbara beefcake thing. He was always saying it. So we, it's hashtagged and, um, you know, I wish him luck. The, the art that's been too long. Our, our, our business hasn't had any competition in it and a, a business needs competition to be successful and, and uh, for the guys to be able to have a chance to have more than one place to work. And so, um, I wish him the best of luck. I don't want somebody losing their jobs and anything. I just, I hope maybe it makes for more people to have better jobs. Guys can take care of their families and, uh, you know, have a food on their tables. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Hey, Brutus, I want to thank you so much for taking the time uh, with me this morning to talk uh, about your upcoming event here, uh, Be- Beers with Beefcake, uh, Grand Central Bar Grill in Niagara Falls, August 9th. Uh, is there anything else you want to plug, promote, put over here uh, before we wrap up the interview today? Yeah, you know, it's, if anybody's looking, you know, for some cool beefcake uh, uh, merchandise or anything, I, my new book is out. Um, they can go to brutusbeefcake.com. Pretty easy. And you look at my website, and there's all kinds of stuff for sale. Um, and we're doing, uh, uh, like, personal greetings and stuff for on Cameo. 
um, you know, so, you know, there's, I'm still out there a lot in, uh, in the media and available and, you know, people can reach out if they need something to let me know and I'll hook them up. My guest at this time is one half of the current Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions, The North. He and Michael Elgin will team up to take on WWE NXT UK's Mustache Mountain on Friday, August 9th at Destiny's Icon event in Toronto. It is Josh Alexander. Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. You know, uh, congratulations, by the way, uh, on the Impact Wrestling uh, Tag Team Championship win there. Uh, Really unique the way uh, that you guys were able to win that on kind of like a a non-pay-per-view night. Uh, how has it been being the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champion? I mean, I, I can't say it hasn't been great. I mean, <laughs> when we came into Impact, well, especially when I came into Impact, we decided to form the tag team because we had some kind of success on the independents over the years, tagging up, but uh, never, like, anything on a big stage. We came together and decided to do the tag team in Impact, and we knew it was just going to be a matter of time until we won the championships. And uh, I mean, yeah. It's all happened really fast, but uh, nothing surprising. But I'm just looking forward to everything in the future. Well, very cool. Let's talk about what we got going on here. Uh, August 9th, your tag team in here with Michael Elgin to take on Mustache Mountain. Huge bout going down at Destiny. First of all, I know you have a lot of history with Destiny. Uh, tell me a little bit about what Destiny means to you and why this promotion is so special. Uh, Destiny gave me a opportunity that nobody else would give me at a time you see I, I i've wrestled for a lot of independent promotions across north america in the past 14 years and when i came back from my neck injury uh i was kind of you know I, I had workplaces and stuff like that but like nothing i could really uh, stick my teeth into nobody that was giving me the opportunity to prove what i believe to myself i, I believe i'm one of the best wrestlers in the world and Destiny recognized that my belief in that, I just needed a, a platform to show that. So they gave me an opportunity, and they put me in month in, month out with some of the best wrestlers, all the independent wrestlers from across the world, man. Yeah, and and uh, I, I just told them, give me the ball, and I promise I won't drop it. And, you know, it's been two years of match after match, month after month, and I don't think I've let them down yet. So, You know, you bring up how you broke your neck. You know, I, I sat down this morning, I was uh, sent, uh, it's like a 15-minute mini-documentary mini all about you, and you have a really interesting story. Uh, talk a little bit about the folks that don't know about, you know, how you did break your neck, and, you know, how does that affect you to know that your you thought for a moment there your career was completely done, and then you find out about a boom later, you know what, go ahead, be a wrestler again, that's fine. That's got to be mentally taxing. Well, before I hurt my neck, I, I had a lot of success, and it was, completely based on my natural my my natural talent it wasn't much work ethic to be honest i always worked hard to the wrestling portion but everything else not so much so when i hurt my neck and i was told i could never wrestle again uh, it was just a ddt that went wrong you know accidents happen it wasn't anything serious where i had to get carted out of the ring i walked out of the ring i drove home i woke up in the morning and it just didn't feel right and uh when they told me i couldn't wrestle again you know you're devastated all this stuff but I had nine months of just thoughts of just thinking about, you know, all the regrets I had. I, I tried saying I didn't have any regrets because of all the success I did have. But, like, honestly, I never gave it 100% of everything I had to try to make it as a professional wrestler and do what I said was my dream job. So when I got that second chance and I came back, I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me because, honestly, my work ethic is, I believe, unmatched now. Like, I, I'm, I'm in the gym. I'm dieting. I'm... I'm work like I'm I'm working tirelessly at professional wrestling because this is what I want to do and like I'm I was given a second chance so that's it was the best thing that ever happened to me 
That's all I can say. Uh, well, you're going to have a big opportunity here. Uh, this is a big bout. You and Elgin here taking on, you know, again, like I said, NXT UK's Mustache Mountain. I know that you have a lot of history with Michael Elgin as well. You want to talk to the talk to me, let the fans know, like, what is your history with Elgin like? Uh, Elgin and I have been known as adversaries for the better part of 14 years. He started a year or two before me, and we both recognized talent in each other coming up on the independence, and we were always booked against each other, always traveling together. And, uh, like, I, I must say I've had probably over 100 matches against Michael Logan. And I personally, whatever, I can say he's a friend. But as a professional wrestler, I don't think there's many better than him in the world, certainly than that I've been in the ring with. And I've been in the ring with a lot of very successful wrestlers. So to be able to tag up with him, uh, I think it's a natural fit. When Destiny approached me and they said, hey, what about a tag match? Who would you tag with? My, my tag partner from the north, Ethan Page, he's already booked. He's in Europe that week. Uh, so the, the next best thing, the first person that came to mind was Michael Elgin. Yeah, and, you know, this is a big, you know, like I said, it's, it's you guys versus Mustache Mountain. Really interesting times right now where matches like this can happen. I mean, what, is this, what does this mean to you all to be able to go in there and share space uh, with these contracted WWE talents? You guys are impact guys. This is fascinating to me. It is fascinating. It's uh, it's it's wild to even picture because if you think about like ten years ago, two major companies or twenty years ago even two major companies combining to put on a tag match on an independent show run by a different company, I don't think that would ever happen. Just the landscape of wrestling right now is completely changed. But that's honestly for anybody that hasn't been paying attention, this is what Destiny's been doing for what two three years now. They've been putting on crazy matches, interpromotional matches, and hosting them. And somehow getting them done. I don't know how. I don't know how it gets done. Honestly, I, I I'm not the one negotiating and making all the phone calls. But Destiny, month in month out, they get these kind of matches done, and uh, I think it's just going to be something special for the fans. They can see two contracted Impact talents against two contracted WWE talents, and uh, you know, just a dream match that you, honestly I don't think you'd see anywhere else. Well, what do you make of your competitors here, uh, Tyler Bate and Trent Severin, uh, or Trent Seven, uh, the Mustache Mountain? Uh, as a fan, as I honestly, I'm a huge fan. I watch everything in wrestling, like every single company. Uh, they're one of the best tag teams I've seen in recent years. And I'm a huge fan of tag team wrestling, obviously. Uh, I know Tyler is one of the best wrestlers in the world already. And I think he's like 22 years old, which is insane to me. And Trent's just a storied traveled veteran that's been all around Europe and he's helped build up that entire scene. I'm, I'm excited to test myself in a tag team match against Mustache Mountain because I'm such a big fan. So when you go in there and you're working with these these WWE guys, are there any restrictions put on matches like this by you by Impact or WWE walking into it, or is this just another another you know day at the ballpark for you guys? I, I haven't heard anything like that. No restrictions from like my end, Impact wise. Nobody's reached out to me. So. As, as a fan, as a professional wrestler of just, like, putting on a match and try to give the fans everything they paid for, I hope there's no restrictions. I hope they just let us go out there and try to put on one of the best tag matches, you know, ever hosted in Canada, which is going to be the goal for me, myself. And I know Michael Elgin, every time he steps in the ring, he doesn't want to put on anything less than the best match possible. So, And, you know, I, I, I bring this up because there was this, like, controversial spot that was done recently where, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, David Starr, uh, but he stomped on the NXT UK title uh, in his match with Walter. Um, first of all, did you hear about that? What do you think of a, a spot like that? 
I, I saw a video clip of, uh, I believe it was in uh, Ireland or somewhere like that. But yeah, I I mean, it's to drum up controversy. David Starr, he's uh, very outspoken and he has his, uh, his beliefs and that's fine. Uh, I believe in independent wrestling as well. I think independent wrestling is important and valued and should be valued because I was an independent wrestler for 14 years and I still am. Contracted impact talent, we can take impact dates all we want and be our own, you know, boss. But uh, I, I, to, to make a stance against WWE, I don't think that's true. Everyone makes their own choices. Walter made a choice to go sign in WWE and be a WWE contracted talent. He's had great success there. So I don't know what the statement really meant if you're going to stomp on the championship when uh, all you're doing is stomping on its success. Yeah, and you know, talk to me a little bit about how your time at Impact Wrestling has been so far. How's it been working with management and the, the creative team over there? Okay, so <laughs> you hear horror stories, right? <laughs> Obviously, like any anybody, any company. I'm talking WWE, New Japan, Impact, Ring of Honor, all the way down the line. You hear horror stories from guys, peers, or you read stuff on the dirt sheets of management being crazy and all this other stuff, or controlling. But, uh, like, honestly, it's it's been a walk in the park. Like nobody, nobody has given me any flack for anything. I haven't gotten in trouble for anything. When I show up to work, everybody's, it's one of the best locker rooms I've ever been in from the producers all the way up to the vice president, Scott and Don, like everybody's very approachable. Like I, I can text Scott right now and discuss anything I want with him. And he'll text me back within, you know, the hour, which I don't think if you're in WWE, you can really do that with the vice president there. You know, I don't, I don't know how accessible Triple H is, but I doubt he's as accessible as my bosses are right now to me if I have an issue. And uh, they just, they just put me in the ring and they tell me to wrestle, man. They, they don't put any restrictions on us, and uh, it's, it's honestly, I couldn't think of a better way to do it. Well, talk to me a little bit about Scott Demore. I know you guys have some history together as well. He obviously gave you your Impact Wrestling contract inside of a Destiny ring. You know, take me back, back to that. You know, talk to me a little bit about Scott here. Uh, for, okay, so I've been wrestling almost 14 years, and I would say for 13 of those years, I was pretty certain Scott couldn't stand me. And I say that only because now, admittedly, Scott admits that as a veteran from Ontario has been in wrestling for 30 years, and he's hosted Border City Wrestling, which was the biggest wrestling promotion in all of Ontario at one point in time, he's harder on Canadian talent than anybody else which makes sense now because he, he wouldn't give me the time of day for 13 years. I tried getting booked on his promotions. He, he wouldn't give me a spot. You know, he has guys he's loyal to, all this other stuff. And then uh, he was one of the guys that just really fueled me to work harder because I'm, I'm a competitive guy. And I understand professional wrestling might be scripted or staged or however you want to describe it. But at the end of the day, if Scott Demore looked at me and he said he didn't see something in me that was worth signing, I wanted to – take that, work harder, ball it all up, and shove it down his throat. And that's what I ended up doing because he had to stand in the middle of the ring and admit that I was one of the best professional wrestlers in the world and that he wanted me contracted to Impact Wrestling. So, like, it, it came full circle. That's, that's an awesome story, Josh. And now that you're here, you know, you guys are the tag team champions. Uh, what, are, what are your goals? What do you think of the current Impact Wrestling tag team division? Uh, it's... From what I hear, it is a growing division. I, I don't know anything about any names. Right now, I think we have some of the best tag teams around. The Rascals are great. We had a match with the Deaners, and I think they're very underrated. It was very good. Uh, LAX, of course, and, uh, you know, whoever may come in in the future. But uh, we're, we're trying to actually put a stamp on 
tag team wrestling, bring it back to uh, like much like the revival has in WWE, how, uh, you know, it's for a long time, tag team wrestling got lost in the shuffle. It was just something to add in. There weren't any like tag teams that would stick together. And with the influx of the young bucks now and stuff like that, trying to like keep tag team wrestling relevant, we're just trying to do the same thing and impact and solidify us in the legacy or the history books as one of the best tag teams of all time. I heard you mention LAX in there. Uh, now, there was reports that they they were possibly, I think they were done with Impact. Are they still with Impact Wrestling? Is there a chance we can see more between you between the two teams? Yeah, we just wrestled. Uh, well, Santana, he kind of twisted his knee at my anniversary. He wasn't at the last set of tapings, but we wrestled Ortiz and Gaga. And uh, I know, from what I hear, they're in Mexico. So Okay. Cool. Well, I'm I'm happy to hear that. You guys are you guys have great chemistry together. I'm a huge LAX fan, so I look forward to seeing more between the two teams. I mean, what do you what do you think of LAX? I, I love them. Like honestly, we when I came back from my neck injury, the first tag booking we had was for Beyond Wrestling, and it was against them when they were EYFBO. And from when I showed up to the the show, like I didn't know much of them. I didn't watch Beyond at the time. They uh, they told me they had requested the match because they wanted a tag match with us that bad because of our success in PWG earlier. That's cool. Which is super, like, humbling to think that it came full circle and we were end up to be the ones that defeated them for the Impact Tag Team Championships, right? Yeah. So, like, they've all the success they've had, they deserve because they bust their ass. And as a tag team, I think they fit perfectly together. I just, I, I honestly, I hope they never break up. I hope they stay a tag team because I'm a huge fan. Uh, well, uh, the knockout division in Impact right now is is just like on fire. Uh, such great action! I thought, it, even though Tessa stepping up there with that match with Callahan, I thought was great. Um, and then today, or actually, I guess last night before we recorded this, you know, uh, it was added that it was announced that Tennille Dashwood is is joining the Impact Knockouts division. Uh, how do you how do you feel about Impact's knockout division at the moment and Tennille joining it? Uh, the knock like all women's wrestling across the whole. I think it's great. Like, I watched the WWE Evolution pay-per-view last year. I thought it was the, my favorite pay-per-view of the year. Me and my wife watch wrestling together uh, all the time. We thought it was, like, our favorite show of the year. Now, in Impact Wrestling, I think all the ladies there have stepped up. And, like, it, it, it can go either way. Like, I don't know who's going to have a match of the night, but I know the women all the time. They're pushing the envelope, pushing the envelope. If you watch Slammiversary and you see that four-way Monsters Ball match... Like, it was one of the craziest Monsters Ball matches I've ever seen. Brutal. Like, they're, Brutal. I, I watched it from the back, and I was, like, I was turning to Ethan Page going, they are insane. Like, I would not do this stuff. <laughs> but, like, everybody's hungry. Like, they're, everybody's trying to make their mark, and everybody's trying to prove a point. And, like, I love it personally. Because, like, as I said, the competitive part of professional wrestling is just trying to cement your spot and trying to make sure everybody takes notice. And, like, that's what the knockouts are doing. And with Neil Dashwood coming in, like that's the type of signing I think Impact needs to make because our our roster is amazing. I don't think like our locker room can be matched anywhere. I think we can compete with any company, but you bring in someone like that with name value that uh, you know can create some buzz and have some amazing matches and stir things up a little bit more and add some new matchups. Like that's that's exactly what we need. Would Would you have taken the curb stop stop uh, curb stop spot into the thumbtacks that C Young did? That is. That is one of five spots that I would not have taken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just wondering, because, like, sometimes when I think about, like, insane deathmatch spots I've seen recently, I always flash back to that one. It's just disturbing. It's disturbing. Well, it's one, it's one thing to take that and, like, turn your head to the side. It's another to do what she did and just eat it with your nose and lips and face. Like, 
straight down, it, uh, I, 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 my hat's off to them. Uh, uh, well, you know, another tag team, I guess a unit that's an impact I wanted to get your thoughts on was OVE. Jake Chris just captured the X Division Championship. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of uh, the unit of OVE there? Uh, we've tangled with OVE and the independence over the years. Uh, like, honestly, when I first started wrestling, I went to a Ring of Honor show uh, in Chicago in, like, 2005. And I saw these two guys in, like, a multi-man tag match. And, like, I left thinking they were Irish Airborne at the time. But I left thinking Irish Airborne, man, those guys were really impressive. I want to, like, watch more of them. So I've been watching them for 14 years. I think they're great. Uh, just in a Oh. Maybe fortunate, unfortunate, how you look at it, Jake Christ. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, Jake Christ is uh, X Division champion. You know, he's really successful. So I don't know if we're going to be tangling up with OVE anytime soon, but uh, I, I would love to in the future. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, you brought up ROH there. Now, this Destiny show, uh, the SummerSlam weekend, is going head-to-head with Ring of Honor. Is that is that the case? I believe so. Uh, there's, like, honestly, there's nine shows in three days, I think, so... <laughs> I, I can't remember which one it's going head to head with, but I, I'm pretty sure Ring of Honor might be one. How's it feel knowing that the whole world's going to be looking at Toronto and the Canadian pro wrestling scene for a couple of days this summer? Uh, when when I came back from my neck injury, and I looked at the landscape of professional wrestling. I looked at Canada, and I said, "We have some of the best wrestling in the world." On the flip side, nobody gets to see it. Like there's the exposure and buzz that like a Beyond show or like an AEW show in America would get for an independent show does not nearly match what a destiny show would get in America or in Canada, because like for some reason, no, none of the, like, I'm not going to say none, but like the majority of like the wrestling fans, I, for some reason, they're not looking North to Canada. So I made it my brand and my goal to try to get eyes on the Canadian scene. Just for one, help me because I'm not silly like that. I'm not going to say it was all like selfless, but to help me, and to help other guys get their name out there and hopefully get bigger opportunities for Canadians in the world. So for SummerSlam to come here, for all these crazy shows to be hosted from OWE to Progress and so on, like I just hope it gets more eyes on the Canadian scene. I think it's, it's the best for everybody. All right, well, last thing I wanted to ask you about here, like I said, I watched this mini-doc. Uh, I always love talking to wrestlers about their days uh, in backyard wrestling before becoming legitimate wrestlers. Uh, there were several clips of you uh, performing what you described as King Lear with your friends, doing pro wrestling moves. Uh, I'm just really interested to understand uh, what was going on here. Why were you doing Shakespeare and pro wrestling in your basement? Uh, well, I didn't really, I, I wouldn't say I was a good student, but uh, I was lucky enough to be friends with uh, a guy that was in the film and television production early on in my high school career and another friend that was into English. So I would take all the same classes with them. But then when we were in class and we had to do, say, a presentation or a report on King Lear, honestly, our, our heads would just come together and we'd say, okay, we're going to produce a movie because my one friend makes movies and we're going to do it on King Lear. And, well, what do we do? We usually backyard wrestle every weekend. So why don't we just make the big sword fight a backyard wrestling match? So As, what, as so... terrible as it was. Wait, 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 wait. Did you show this at school? Was this like a thing you presented for, for schoolwork? Yeah, yeah. We had like terrible effects of like a cookie sheet getting hit with a bat to make lightning or thunder sounds. And it ended up me like, 
I can't remember which character I was in King Lear, but I, I was the guy that won the fight at the end, so I ended up tombstoning the villain on my friend's front lawn. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was. That's fantastic. And we showed it in front of the entire class, so. I'm sure they loved it. Um, what was your backyard wrestling name? Did you have a backyard wrestling name? Uh, yeah, I was the Iceman. <laughs> okay. And which, that... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. It, it, it translates a little bit to, like, now, because everybody says, like, I'm really, like, stoic, which is my natural personality. Like, I had a comparison to, like, D. Malenko in my head early on. Oh. So I was Ice Man, my friend was Money Max, and I had another friend that called himself Sadistico, and he was, he was the fan of, like, Mankind and Abyss and all that, so he was the crazy one. Okay. Uh, first of all, like, Walking Weapon, great moniker. Iceman, mm, some wrestlers have two monikers. I'm just saying. It still works. Uh, but lastly, I wanted to ask you about backyard wrestling. What was your? Did you have a backyard wrestling ring? What was the ring made of? I had a trampoline. I was lucky enough that my parents afforded to buy me a trampoline. Okay. So that was, that was all I had. And uh, my friend, the clips that you see there are Sadistico's basement. Mm-hmm. And he had a mattress that we got at the Goodwill, which, <laughs> thinking of that now, just makes me cringe. But, yeah, we got a couple mattresses from the Goodwill and put them in his basement. And we'd wrestle there. Okay. Cool. Thank you. I always like to ask what the backyard name was and what your wrestling ring was. Everybody's got a great story about those the goodwill mat i've never had anyone say goodwill mattress so that's new that's good um josh you're great congratulations to you and ethan both on, on all the great stuff you're doing in impact wrestling again august 9th it's going down destiny's icon in toronto uh josh is going to team with elgin to take on nxt uk's mustache mountain anything you want to plug promote put over here before we wrap it up today I mean, it's all about icons too. Destiny's putting on August 9th, like you said it. And uh, other than us, I, I know they have SCU in the house against OVE, Sammy oh, yeah. Callahan, Jake and Dave Christ, uh, Camille Dashwood's on the show. It's just a stack show from uh, top to bottom. And I know that, like, what they, the kind of shows they put on in Canada, I, I haven't seen anything better. So I think if you're going to spend your money on a ticket and you want to get your money's worth, you're going to come to that show because that tag match main event is going to be the best match of the whole week. Yeah, so uh, how's everything going? Oh, uh, it's going pretty good. Now, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you've had such a, a, a storied career that it's kind of hard to know where to start, but um, how old were you when you started watching wrestling? Uh, I suppose right around 13, I started at 15. Wow. And, and, and you got into the business uh, at 18, right? Yeah, I got into the business at 15. I started driving, uh, wrestling around uh, the St. Joe area. Oh, okay. 15 years old. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, when did you actually start watching wrestling and following it? Right around that, virtually right around the same time. I I watched it and I, I said to my parents and my brothers and sisters that this right here is what I'm going to be doing and I contacted Gus Karras in uh, St. Joe, Missouri and got involved in it and been involved in it ever since. Yeah. And uh, how, how hard was it to get into the business back then? Well, uh, not really all that hard if you were sincerely devoted to it because uh, once you started to train they put somebody in there 
the NWA title for the first time uh, when you defeated Dory Funk Jr. Uh, what was it? What was that like? And and, uh, and 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 how long ahead of time did you know that they were heading in that direction to have you be the world champion? Well, when I was headed toward it, uh, once I really got started uh, in wrestling, mm-hmm. I saw him and I saw the champion at that time was Luther. And I said to myself, that's what I'm going to be, and I'm, I'm headed in that direction now, and I'm going to get there. And in the meantime, he got beat, and then I beat the guy that beat him. Mm-hmm. And you, you also around that time in the in the, in the late '70s, you had the uh, you wrestled Andre the Giant, and uh, you, you body slammed him. Um, were you were you and him pretty close? Because I've I've always heard that uh, he would only let people uh, that he really admired and respected uh, let you know let them do something like that. As far as I know, I was the only one ever to uh, completely body slam him on my own. Now he was body slammed uh, a couple different times, but it was two different people involved in doing it. Uh-huh. But I was uh, the guy that got him up there, and, and actually have a picture of him up in the air. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what was his reaction to that? Uh, I'm kind of on the unbelievable side. <laughs> Not only him, me too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, you all you had the the big match with uh, Ric Flair at Starcade '83. I know you I know you get asked about this a lot, um, but uh, is it true that uh, Vince McMahon was trying to get you signed and uh, and and not show up at the event? Uh, he was asking me about coming up there and uh, trying to avoid uh, that part of it, but. I was been I had been involved in wrestling for a long time, and the NWA World's Title was what I had my heart and mind set on doing uh, since day one of starting. And I wasn't going to get involved with Vince until I was uh, through with the NWA side. And that's what I wanted to do, and so that's what I did. Yeah. And you also, uh, there have always been stories about you uh, uh, confronting Hulk Hogan at a WWE uh, house show in 1984. Um, exactly what happened there? Uh, it's just, uh, you were, uh, You run into uh, to people that uh, want to and think that they can and they're better than you type of thing. Uh, and I knew if I really put my mind to it and, and stuff, I could beat Hulk Hogan. So that was the size of it. Yeah. And 
and uh, I actually started watching wrestling. That was about the the time I started watching. And and uh, with the NWA, whenever I thought of the NWA, I always thought of uh, you, uh, Dusty, and Flair. Uh, what ultimately ended up uh, causing you to leave the NWA and finally sign with the WWF? Well, uh, once Sam Mushnick, uh was out of it, uh, he's, he's uh, virtually losing, uh, you know, all of his capabilities of being able to be who he was and do what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, without him as the head of the NWA, <laughs> I think everybody knew that it wasn't going to be all that long before it was over. Mm-hmm. And I started looking uh, in an opportunity to uh, go in with Vince, and, and when it arrived, uh, I took I took the thing and, and ran with it. Yeah. Uh, was uh, was the King idea? Was that was that Vince's idea? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, being King is the next step above uh, being the the champion that I was. Uh, you know, as far as looks and uh, I don't know. They just figured that the King thing would override being uh, the eight-time world champion. Yeah. And uh, and and when they presented it to you, you uh, what, what what was your reaction? famously wrestled at Wrestlemania 3 uh, with the Junkyard Dog that event has kind of uh, it's, it's almost become like a legendary uh, wrestling event I mean, people uh, remember it so fondly it was uh, you, you know the, the, the crowd and everything You having had, having had wrestled for so long already before that show uh, what was that event like was it still uh, a little nerve wracking or, or, uh, or what was it like yeah, uh, the only nerve-wracking part of it uh, to me was uh, the 93,000 people that were sitting out there watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and that and that was pretty much it. <clears throat> I, I think still today that that's the largest crowd for any. Uh, event that uh, has been ever will be or whatever right it was you know this was humongous yeah and uh wwf at that time was very different from uh the nwa um did you uh the wwf style of wrestling did you did you enjoy doing that was that uh 
because you had some uh, memorable matches with uh, you know Hogan and and uh, Duggan, but it, it was also very different from the NWA matches with Flair and, and Dusty. ultimately led you to to leaving the WWF you describe uh, working for Vince back then? I did want to ask you about uh, Owen Hart because I, I, I know in the, the documentary uh, The Life and Death of Owen Hart you, you noted that you had spoken to him uh, the day of the, his tragic accident um, how was it interacting with Owen that day? started uh wlw you started that that was in the late 90s correct
times world champion with the NWA, I just wasn't going to run off and leave it mm-hmm. uh, without us some credibility of what, where I was going and what I was going to be. Yeah. And, uh, and and when you finally decided to open it, uh, and and you're you're doing the school, uh, how difficult was that? Uh, when I finally decided to open what the the school, the school. Uh, oh, the school here now. Yeah. Um, it wasn't really all that difficult uh, because of my name and then you know the things that I had been able to accomplish uh, getting young kids that wanted to be involved in wrestling to come in here that wasn't really all that hard at all mm-hmm. uh, training them and stuff got to be a little bit on the difficult side but it worked out pretty well yeah and uh, you and have- still it yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got the camp coming up uh, on the twenty fourth. Um, are you, are you, will you be uh, doing a lot of the training at the camp? Uh, I won't be doing uh, a lot of the physical stuff. Mm-hmm. Anything that I uh, can show them in a standstill type motion, uh, if need be, I can. Do that, but uh, that's why I have uh, Leland to be involved in it and and, and be on the training side of it. Yeah, I had spoken to Leland earlier, and he talked about how you kind of uh, kind of sheltered him away from the business, uh, trying to keep him away uh, somewhat. What was your reaction when he decided that he finally wanted to get into it? Well, when he finally made up his mind and decided that this was what he was going to do, then I kind of slid in behind him. I didn't tell him that I was going to be really supportive of him until I saw for sure that that is what he wanted to do. And then, of course, once he's, he's proved to you that that's exactly what he wants to do, then Yeah, yeah, it's funny because I, you know, I'd, I'd heard his name, Jason, you know, Jason Jones on the independent scene, but I had no idea that he was your son. Well, <laughs> uh, that's what uh, the Jason Jones was, was all about, was to uh, not show favoritism and not be, uh, you know, using the name race to force him through. Uh, Rick Flair will also be at the uh, at the wrestling camp at the WLW camp. Um, and he inducted you into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2004. What was what was that moment like? <laughs> Anytime you do anything with with Rick Flair, it, it's uh, kind of a strange and, and uh, different type of uh, atmosphere until it uh, finally gets. Uh, you know, you you know for sure that that's what he's uh, going to do, and then then couldn't be any better because other than myself, he was probably the next guy in line uh, as far as the credibility of, of uh, the wrestling world. 
Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, one of your most famous opponents, Dusty Rhodes, uh, you know, passed away recently. Uh, do you have any uh, any funny funny stories uh, with uh, the the time you guys had on on the road? your reaction when you found out about his passing? So uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper recently passed away. Um, I, I know you, you guys were in the NWA together for a while. You were in WWF together for a while. I know. I think you were on Piper's Pit before, but I can't remember if you ever actually ever wrestled Piper. Did you? Uh, Do you have any matches with Roddy? school i was talking to leland you know he was talking about how your shows you know it's kind of more of a throwback to the uh you know the older style of wrestling um what are your thoughts on the professional business wrestling business today and kind of uh where it's gone think um do you think too much of the wrestling has been taken out because it, it it is odd when you can't nowadays describe someone as a, a wrestler on tv or, or say that they're wrestling no the ones that are uh all the way up to the top uh are deeply still involved in the wrestling part of it and mm-hmm. then they're capable to ask you do you have a uh, a favorite match or, or favorite matches that that you were involved in any one of the seven times <laughs> and uh the eighth one was the eighth one was just kind of a slide through thing and it was there too <laughs> and then do you have a favorite opponent uh, uh, opponent 
and you have the camp coming up on the 24th again. Um, what can people who register uh, for the camp expect? They can expect to learn exactly how to wrestle in the ring and be able to land and stuff like that without uh, hurting themselves. Basically, just learn how to do rest and do it right. Mm-hmm. And where can people go to register? And I think uh, also through your re- uh, website, right? HarleyRace.com? Yes, and also the website. Uh-huh. Uh, HarleyRace.com. Okay, well. And, and, and uh, I know Leland was saying there's only a couple of spots remaining. Yeah, we've got quite a few that's uh, going to be here. Uh, what was it? Okay. And, and, okay. And how many spot? How many total spots do you guys have? Uh, there is no end to it. Just whenever we run out of, uh, of kids, because it's easy to be able to uh, get enough people that are capable of doing it to break it down to uh, the, to the sizes and stuff like that. Okay. And. Uh... So fans will be able to see yourself and Flair together, correct? Yes, it'll be here Friday and Saturday. Yeah, and also at the show, right, on, on Saturday. Yes. Gotcha. Well, well, thank you for your time. I urge all, all, all the readers on our site that has ever wanted to, you know, try their hand at wrestling to, you know, check it, you know, sign up and check out the camp. And, and I want to take, you know, thank you for... Uh, taking the time out of your schedule it's it's an honor to be talking to you know such a such a, a legend <clears throat> oh, it's, uh, I'm happy to be able to uh, be talking to you and, and uh, ho- hopefully at uh, some point I can meet you in person and we'll go from there absolutely I'd love that well well thank you again and, and uh, take care have a good weekend Thank you, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news today. Thank you to Brutus Beefcake, Josh Alexander. Thank you to uh, Raj uh, for letting us air, re-air that Harley Race interview you did from 2015. Uh, it is a big week here. Like I said, this is SummerSlam week. I am heading to Toronto on Thursday. We will have our SummerSlam preview show with Justin and I on Thursday with more interviews. But tomorrow, we still got one more show to go while I'm in town. And we have two more big interviews for tomorrow's show. On the show, you're going to hear from none other than the All-American American Jack Swagger and 
Busted Opens, Dave LaGreca. I enjoyed both of these conversations quite a bit, and I can't wait to drop them into your ear holes tomorrow. Uh, and if you're enjoying the audio that we are pumping into your ear holes, go over to the Wrestling Inc. audio channel on iTunes. Give it a five-star rating. Give it a nice comment. All of our audio comes out of there, and uh, you can get it. And uh, ear holes. Ear holes, ear holes. Put it in your ear holes. Wow, that was fun to say. All right, Justin, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show? Uh, bro, keep me out of their ear holes. I don't want that. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Justin Bar, Instagram. Like I said, there's video from last night's Raw from being there, including video of The Fiend, if you want to see The Fiend show up and attack Kurt Angle. Uh, pictures of me and Jerry McDivitt. I'll be on the post-Smackdown live podcast tonight on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel, so you can join myself and Matt Morgan uh talking smackdown and i'll be back tomorrow with nick all right everybody yes and i'm at wink rebel over on twitter thank you so much for tuning in and remember if you winked you didn't miss it <laughs>